Blog Talk Radio. to this. This is AJ Black here with another episode of BCI Interruption Radio. It's the start of the football season and I'm here today with my co-host Eric Hostis. What's going on AJ? Not much. Getting excited. College football opens up tomorrow and our uh, eight months of footballless life is now over. We can get back to enjoying some good old college football and uh Alabama's inevitable march to the national championship, right? I can't wait. All right. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, football uh, for BC opens up next Friday against Northern Illinois and DeKalb, uh, Illinois. And we're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk a little bit about our preseason um, at BC, what we thought of, what we've heard, what we've read. we will talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Adazio, where he's at at the beginning of the season in terms of you know, the hot seat where his job security lies, especially with a new AD and what expectations are going to be for this season for him. We're going to look at the offense and we're going to look at um, some of the mailbag questions. We had a lot of people reaching out to ask us some questions about the season. We're going to try to hit up as many of those as we can. So to start off, let's look at preseason. The summer, summer practices are underway. And um, if you've been reading on bceagles.com, been releasing some press releases about the practices and understandably they're not very in-depth because I know the team wants to hold a lot of that information as close to the vest as possible but Eric what have you got what sense have you gotten about this team maybe that's different from other years going into the summer yeah you know and I I do have to uh, tip my hat a little bit to the BC athletic department because they are you know, pumping out what seems like, you know, daily or semi-daily videos or pictures or at least letting the fans in a little bit uh, with interviews and stuff, you know, in the past, that that kind of stuff has been very sporadic. So um, it is nice to have that. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me uh, really has been Adazio and how he's conducted himself, you know, in the past few seasons in the summer heading into fall, you know, all we've heard is excuses each year of, uh, you know, why, why the team didn't have as much depth as he'd like or him being uh, kind of shorthanded at a position. And, yeah. you know, this year he's, he's all in at the poker table. He's, he's playing his, playing his hand and going all in. And um, he, he sounds confident and he's very, most of his comments are very positive and optimistic, even though, you know, there are some question marks on the team. So that's been one of the biggest things for me so far is just how positive Adazio has been. And I think the biggest question going into this season now is, you know, it's the quarterback position. I think a lot of fans are really interested in Adazio has been pretty um, noncommittal and he's done that in the past. I remember in years past, I think it was even last year, he wouldn't even name tolls the starter over Wade to start the season. I think he just wants to leave that up in the air to make defenses and uh, opposing teams uh, game plan for both. Um, 
uh, we had an email about that, and I want to just kind of read that. Hi, Eric and AJ. I was speaking with a very casual fan yesterday who's under the impression that Darius Wade was tabbed as the starter and is due for an explosive year leading an offense that ex- that's expected to be good to very good. Based on what you've seen and re- read from reports, has Wade comfortably distanced, distanced himself from Brown to be the starter come Friday night? Has he or Brown shown that he can command the offense to the point where they'll be formidable against the upper echelon teams BC will be facing? And that was Eric B., who was uh, one of our readers. He wanted to know our thoughts on that. And I think it's a, a good jumping-off point to talk about the quarterbacks. So I, I've heard a lot on my end. Um, you know, just I haven't been able to get to practices. And honestly, I don't think Adazi would ever want to see me at a practice, so it's probably best that I never go down there. Um, yeah. From what I've what I've read and what I've heard from people who have gone, I know Joe Perello was talking to me. It sounds like both quarterbacks are doing a really nice job, and that Wade um, is a little further along at this point. Um, but Anthony Brown definitely seems like he has a, a more explosive game set that could with a higher ceiling. Is that kind of the impression you've gotten, Eric? Yeah, it's it's very similar, and I mean, quite honestly, unless. Adazio is is a bozo. He's he's. I don't think he's going to give the nod to Brown right away off the start. I mean, Wade has, you know, it's small, but he does have some experience, at least game experience. And you know, generally, it's just easier if 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 you start off with kind of the more veteran player, and then if it doesn't work out, to quickly go to the younger guy. Uh, starting off, letting the younger guy play and benching kind of the more veteran player, that that's risky business. Sometimes you can lose the locker room by doing something like that, and a lot of times uh, it's it's hard to go back to the veteran um, after after he didn't get the starting job. So I mean, I my expectation is that Wade is going to start start the year at least as the starter, and um, it'll be it'll be his job to lose. Uh, that that being said, I also wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if we 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 saw Brown once in a while in some kind of sets or something like that. I mean, that's not something Adazio has shied away from in his time here at BC. You know, let, letting the younger guy play a little bit here and there. So that's kind of my expectations for the season. What do you what do you envision Adazio doing at quarterback? I, I agree totally with you, Eric. I think I think he's going to start with Wade, and Wade's earned it. I, he's done nothing to, you know, put himself behind Brown at this point. I think it would be just like you said. It's going to be up to Wade to keep the job and to to perform. But I think Dazio kind of owes it to him at this point, given the injury that he had in 2015 and having to wait behind a grad transfer and Patrick Tolles last year. You know, it's 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 Wade's turn, and he's done a great job at BC. I know I I read earlier that he. He's already graduated. He's a grad student. So, you know, if they if they don't treat him well, he has every intent. I mean, he he could easily just transfer next year if he wants to play anywhere else. So I think that it, they, they owe it to themselves and they owe it to Wade to start him off. Um, yeah, so I'm, not, I'm not so concerned with them treating, well, treating him well and keeping him around, but um, – you know, I just think I just think you got to start off with the guy with the game experience, especially starting off uh, on the road, first game of the season. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any concerns? I've talked to some people um, with Wade being a lefty. Um, that that kind of changes the offense around. Um, do you have any concerns, just as a, as a casual observer of the team with a lefty quarterback, or do you think the team is going to be set to change? You know, just to uh, adjust the way the blocking schemes and, and the way that they protect him uh, with a lefty quarterback. 
No, I don't have any concerns with that. I mean, they have – Brown has taken uh, some reps with the ones and stuff, so it, it it's it's not like it'll be totally foreign to the team. So, I mean, it's not ideal, but I, I, I don't think it, it would be a big story, no. Okay. And um, so just kind of, you know, things that have been going on in the preseason, I, I want to give a shout-out to Dan Rubin, who used to uh, run the podcast. Uh, who's moved on to Eagles Unlimited on BC Eagles flagship website. Um, he had an interesting article, I think it was two days ago on Wednesday, about the tight ends and the play of the tight ends. Um, I think a lot of fans are really expecting a lot out of Tommy Sweeney this year. He really started to perform really well at the end of last year, and I know that it took him a little while to get the flow of the offense, but he seemed to be a really big target and an exciting offensive weapon for the BC Eagles this year. Um, but I think what Dan brought up that was a really interesting point is the different roles the tight ends play on this offense. Um, you know, we're used to with Adazio, the off the tight ends just basically being, you know, blocking sleds that just kind of are, are an, you know, an extra lineman on the, on the field. But this year it seems like Adazio, especially with this new offense is really pushing for the, for the tight ends to be uh, receivers and to have multiple roles in this offense. Have you started to see other tight ends really step up, or have you heard of some of the other tight ends like Bird or Idrizzi really starting to move for the Eagles? No, I ha- I not much, but I, uh, you know, my expectation is uh, it would be criminal for Tommy Sweeney not to be the focal point of this passing game offense. I mean, he's shown since he was a freshman. He, I mean, he didn't play much as a freshman, but he showed during summer scrimmages and spring practice that he was an above average receiver for a tight end. Um, I think we saw more of it last summer. And then finally he got on the field more, uh, last year. And, uh, I, I, I think a positive is that Adazio has kind of budged a little bit because Sweeney wasn't playing, you know, much in his first year or, or as much as he probably should have last year because um, he, he's not a great blocker. Um, I, I'd call him an average blocker at best at tight end, but he is an above average uh, pass catcher. And uh, I, I feel like Adazio finally came around a little bit last year and said, you know, I got to, I got to get this guy involved more in the passing game, even if, you know, he does have some liabilities with, with his blocking and, and certain schemes and blocking assignments. So, um, that's a big thing for me. I, I mean, I, I I really think Sweeney has the capability to put up 600-plus yards receiving, get at least six touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I think we're used to, you know, fantasy football numbers and stuff. So those numbers um, might not seem overwhelming, but, uh, I mean, it's been years since BC's had a tight end that's had – six touchdowns or more you'd have to go back to sean ryan which now is seems like ages ago that know, he right? played for bc so i think that kind of puts puts things in perspective that uh production like that from sweeney would be a really really big season right yeah i think he's going to be definitely one of the players that i you know when i call in i've had a couple of radio interviews this year with different cities and different acc schools um, and one of the, they always ask like, who's the offensive player to look for. And I've said Tommy Sweeney all year. Um, I know that there's some explosive running backs and wide receivers, but I think he's just a name that by the end of this year, he's going to be someone BC fans really know well. And, um, they're going to be, he's going to be an exciting player to watch. 
Um, now, switching up a little bit in terms of preseason talk, um, the scheme, you know, I think that's another big thing that has come up in terms of discuss, you know, discussion points between fans and what Adazio and Loeffler are talking about. The, the, this notion that Adazio and uh, offensive coordinator Scott Loeffler are going to um, move more towards an up-tempo offense. More yeah, more. that's that's been the word, right? Uh, we, we've heard that a lot. Um, it it's definitely a change. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember, but you know, Adazio the past couple seasons has actually talked about total plays run in kind of a negative light. Um, he's went out of his way in press conferences to say, "I see these other teams running all these plays a game. Man, it's just about the wins and the losses." And uh, now I think he's kind of taken a step back and realized, uh, you know, the majority of the rest of the teams are running at a quicker pace and trying to tire out the defenses and uh, go quick tempo, no huddle. So I think he's just kind of, you know, catching up with the rest of college football in that regard. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you do you think it's do you think it's talk? Do you think it's something that they'll start out and try and then kind of see how it goes, or do you think you're, they're committed to the whole season for this? What do you how do you see it playing out? I mean, we've heard it's the talk, but. You know, we watched the Quick Lane Bowl last year against Maryland, and that first half, they did they did an excellent job of just moving the ball quick. And I know that they had good field position on a lot of those touchdowns, but moving, you know, getting that ball to the line and not waiting till three seconds on the play clock, two seconds on the play clock, they were able to effectively move the ball. And I wonder if that really, you know, raised Adazio's eyes to, well, this may be something we can work with with our offense. Um, it's something that we need to do. Now, clearly, the offense was not tuned to, to make those many plays. I think they had, what, like 50 or so in the first half or something like that in that, yeah. that bowl game. Um, but even Adazio said the second half, they were gassed. They weren't, they weren't prepped for that. Um, my biggest concern, I think, going into an offensive scheme like that is the play calling. If Adazio continues his, you know, that – emphasis on the running game and they're only able to do the you know, run, run, pass, punt, that they're going to get the de- their own defense gassed. Because if they're moving the ball off the field real quick because they're going more tempo, but they're not successful with it, I, fe- I worry the defense is going to get affected by that as well because they're going to be asked to get back on the field even faster. Um, and, you know, there's certain positions I look at on the defense and I worry that they don't have the depth to do that. Because, you know, some teams like, you know, Alabama or, or Clemson, they can just – you know, if there's some guys get gassed, they get, you know, blue chips right behind them. They can go jump in and, and take and pick up that slack. But I don't think BC has that, especially like linebacker. I know that they took a couple hits in terms of retirement transfers this year and, and the defensive line, especially up the middle. Um, so that worries me a little bit, but I'm willing to give it a chance. And I think Adazio kind of, I mean, given the results of what the offenses look like the last three years, he kind of owes it to himself to do it and to try it out and give it a chance. And I think Wade might be the quarterback that, you know, will be successful in a system like that instead of that slow trotting, you know, the, the, the yeah. Good. Yeah. I think, I think, I think especially though it makes sense to start out the game like that and try and get the lead. I mean that uh, BC's defense, like you said, a, a little thin at linebacker, but uh, if they can, um, you know, get the lead on people and kind of and kind of the other teams playing from behind. BC gets into that nickel personnel, and uh, you know Landry and some of the other guys just kind of pin their ears back and chase around the quarterback. I mean, they they can really uh, put the pedal down on someone. But 
uh, to your point, yeah, I, I think, you know, they obviously have to be uh, leery of the score and situation and stuff because there are there definitely are some positions on defense that, uh, you know, you have concerns with getting gassed. That, that part I definitely agree with. Yeah, so, you know, the season is about to start, so let's look at the season first. We're going to look at – Eric and I are going to look at what – um, our predictions are going to be for the season. We've talked a little bit on the website about some of the things like this, but if you want to go back and read our writings on this and whatnot, but this is our, our hard-hitting analysis of what the season is. I saw that David Hale yesterday at ESPN had his um, preseason best and worst case scenarios for every ACC team. And he had, um, you know, if you went around the conference, there was, you know, FSU. Their the their top I think was twelve and zero. Their their best case scenario, they could they could go undefeated, and their worst was like nine and three. And then you had Duke, who was at worst six and six, and then at best nine and three. The one that I couldn't stop laughing at, and I've made a big joke about it online, is that their best case scenario for NC State was eleven and one, and <laughs> their, and their worst case I think was seven and five. I have no idea where this NC State Love Fest is coming from. They're a good team, but they – I also saw them listed by another ESPN guy as a college football playoff finalist this year. I, I don't oh, know where geez. this is coming from, but I thought that was kind of funny. I saw that yesterday. But they had BC with their best-case scenario at 6-6 six and six, and their worst-case scenario at 3-9. and nine. Um, I mean, and that's – Go ahead. I mean, that's just stupid, to be honest. I – to call BC's best case scenario um, six and six is just dumb. I mean, if you go down the list, um, you know they can beat teams that I, I have no problem seeing them beat. Northern Illinois on the road, Wake Forest at home, Central Michigan at home, Virginia on the road, Connecticut at Fenway, and Cuse on the road. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if they beat all six of those teams. So. You're talking six wins right there, and then they upset a team or two. So I, I'd hardly call that their best case scenario. But uh, I don't know. Seems more like lazy analysis than anything. But I'm sure you were probably surprised by that, you know, threshold you know, that he set. You know, I always retweet that stuff, and I get the same responses from the fans every time. It's the 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 national media hates BC, and it, it's true. They they always sleep on BC, no matter who the coach has been. It could have been. Jeff Jagosinski in 2008 when they were slept on him, or Tom O'Brien. It, it's been, it's just part of the 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 landscape at this point. We should just get used to it. Um, and, and them selling high and buying high on NC State. It's their dark horse every single year. And you know what? Got to play the games, and we'll just see it. So let's look at what we think. What is our best case scenario, Eric, for this year? You started started to say like best case. There was already six wins. What would you? Would you say eight wins, nine wins? What do you think is the ceiling for this team? I think. I mean, I think eight is the ceiling. I mean, that would be them taking care of business in, you know, every game that they're favored in, or you know, a small underdog, and then, you know, an upset or two on top of that. So, I'd set it. I'd set it at eight, and uh, that would kind of be my ceiling for this team. Um, and uh, on the flip side, uh, a three and nine scenario. I, I guess I, I could live with I could live with that. I mean, there there's certainly a scenario where this team goes on the road week one and loses a tough game, and 
you know, has a slugfest against Wake Forest, starts off 0-2, and things start to derail with Notre Dame and Clemson back-to-back. If, if I'm really trying to take a glass-half-empty approach, that, that is, you know, one path the season could take. And, you know, Adazio starts hearing whispers about his job and starts going postal and uh, defiant in his <laughs> press conferences, which would kind of be entertaining, but... Um, I mean that that's one possibility. I don't think it's a very likely one, though. But um, yeah. you know, what what do you see the ceiling for the for the for this team? Are you are you going to go above six and six uh, from what yeah, that absolutely. reporter said? You know what I I have I'm still I'm every day for me watching BC football and following BC football is a roller coaster. And even when they're not playing, I you know I was talking to my dad about this. My dad's a big BC football fan too, and he's been season ticket holders with me for the last couple of years. And he's like, so what do you think of the team? And I go, dad, you know, yesterday I woke up and I was like, oh, you know what? I, I, I'm really worried how this offense is going to handle. And I, I don't know if I have faith in Wade. But then today I'll wake up and go, you know what? They have the weapons at wide receiver. Landry's going to be a, a, a complete beast on defense. I still think they're going to be good. So right now with the game, uh, you know, against Northern Illinois a week away, I'm, I'm leaning more towards my ceiling being eight and four. I think seven and five might be more likely of what happens but eight and four will be the ceiling. And if they went seven and five and won a bowl game, I can't complain. And Adazio's job will be safe. Now the, 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 the bottom ends where they bought him out. Um, I, oh, Eric, I can't, I, I don't think I can do it. I've followed, I have written for BCI since 2010. So I've dealt with really crappy seasons for BC. I dealt with 2012, 2015. I don't know. I, I can't write another season of just, you know, BC gets blown out. The offense looks like crap. They put, you know, they weren't able to do anything. I'm just hoping that we don't have another three and nine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's definitely the hope of all fans. Uh, at, at the same time, like you said, though, our, our, our memories remember that. I mean, you can, you can go back to that 2012 season when they went two and 10 and, um, people, people thought, they might be able to put, you know, at least like a 500 record together that year. I mean, it, it sounds silly now, but if you look back at the preseason that year, that that was a possibility, and they had that tough game to start the year against Miami, and that was kind of the thing everyone said, like, oh, they really need to win this game and and get the ball rolling. And and, and uh, they, they had Miami, Maine, and Northwestern to start the year and everyone's like, they got to figure out a way to go two and one or three and oh, and they'll really be off to something. And, and they didn't. And we all know what happened with uh, Clemson and the army lost back to back. So I think, I think that's in the back of everyone's mind too. They can see a nightmare scenario like that, but I, 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 I don't think that's, that's the likeliest of outcomes. And I, you know, I see Vegas putting BC's win total over under at four. And I think that I'm a pretty straight shooter with, BC a pretty realist. I, I think that's an easy bet on the over with BC. I, I mean, you win the bet even if they go five and seven. So I, I think expectations are low across the country for BC this year, and that that might actually be be good for this team. Yeah, we had a couple of commenters uh, post about. I asked them what their thoughts were on the season. Dennis Monahan on Facebook said. They need to go eight and four, at least for the year to be a success. Anything less, and it will be proof that the program has hit a ceiling with Adazio as head coach. Do you agree with well, that? I think that's a, that's a little bit strong. I mean, if they, 
I guess it all depends how it plays out, right, though, because um, they they go six and six and have a year like last year where they actually where they absolutely just get throttled by Florida State and Clemson and some of the big boys. Uh, I think that I think that's going to be a part of it too. Just just how it looks. Um, I don't. It, to Dennis's point, I don't. I don't think people are going to be satisfied with a six and six season and BC goes out and gets their ass kicked by the bigger teams in the conference. I mean, at the very least, I think the team has to go six and six, seven and five, and look much better against the top end competition and not look like. They're not even from the same league as Florida State and Clemson. I mean, that's, you know, you talk about the wins and the losses, but I think they almost have to look a lot better in the losses this year because those blowouts, especially at home, are just, that's not acceptable. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I think you have Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Louisville, and Florida State. They have to be competitive in those games. If they go out there and get blown out by Notre Dame, no matter what they do to start the season against Wake Forest. So if they, if they went into Notre Dame 2-0, say they won against Wake Forest, which would be great, a great start. That's kind of what we're all hoping for. But they go out against Notre Dame and get blown out, you know, 42-10 to 10 or something like that. The fans are still going to – the mood on, and, and the way that the fans are feeling, it's still going to be completely negative because it, it's going to feel just like it did last year where BC, as you said, does not seem like they're in the same league as these elite teams. And there's too much talent on this right now, honestly, from what I've seen. I think there's too much talent on BC to, to accept being blown out by it like that. When you have Oh, the- absolutely. And, and to your point, those first four games going – if they're to go 2-2, two and two, beat Wake Forest and NIU, and then not look good against Notre Dame and Clemson, that's just not acceptable, even though their record would be – 500 the first four games it's just that that's not acceptable anymore getting getting blown out like that against the better teams and you have to wonder i mean i'm just speaking as a fan but what what does new ad martin jarman think about that he's coming from a program of excellence at ohio state is he going to accept you know bc going out and looking like garbage against top 25 teams or is that or has he been already been programmed you know to to realize that this is where the team's going to go. What do you think? What do you think he's going to be thinking? I mean, it's it's a good it's a good question. I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't know the um, Martin German good enough to know where he fits in that. But I I'd have to assume that um, you know with with the game he's been talking here in press conferences and just talking to people that have talked with him that you know six like I said six and six and you know, uncompetitive against the best teams is not acceptable. All right, let's move on from our season predictions to NIU. Our our team kicks off on Friday night against NIU in DeKalb, Illinois, against the Huskies. How do you think BC stacks up against Northern Illinois? Now, I've written about it a bunch. Many of us still have NIU as that Orange Bowl team that beat was Florida State. Yeah. They beat Florida State. We still have that Jordan Lynch-led team with Dave Doran um, as our mind frame of what Northern Illinois is. But if you really look at what they have been like since then, if you look at what they were last year, they're not the same. They're nowhere near the same team. They were four and eight in 2016. They were not very good. Their defense is very suspect. 
How do you think BC stacks up against them this year? I I mean, other than the the just stupid scenario that BC is traveling on the road there, and you know their fans are going to be hyped up. I mean. It, BC matches up well against these guys, you know, from everything that I can see, you know, the strength of Northern Illinois uh, is, is up front, their offensive line, um, you know, kind of their running game and, and also uh, their defensive backfield. Um, <laughs> a recipe for success against BC is not having a uh, kind of a poor front seven and, you know, from all indications, that seems like a weak point of Northern Illinois, that they don't have one of the better front seven units um, in the MAC. Um, you know, BC ought to just be pushing these guys around and running down their throats, to be quite honest. And, you know, even though Northern Illinois does have, a, uh, you know, for MAC standards, a good offensive line, I mean, if BC is going to be this dominant defensive front, like people are saying, then they, they should have no problem with that. I mean, they shouldn't. They shouldn't play evenly um, up in the trenches against against uh, uh, you know a, a good MAC offensive line. So yeah, um, and, and I, I mean, don't. I, sorry, go ahead. No, it's it doesn't. It, it and and they don't have you know uh, a great quarterback and great receivers and you know they're not. It, it, it they they just don't seem to have the personnel that's going to kind of trip up BC and is a bad matchup. So although you hate, although you hate to see BC go on the road against a Mac team to start the year, which is just a kind of a disgusting spot to be in, um, you know, the actual matchup on the field and in the trenches does favor um, BC and, uh, and, you know, it, it'll, it, it should be a close game, but BC really has no business losing to these guys to be perfectly honest. Like you said, this isn't a, powerhouse program um like they were a few years ago this is a you know a solid mac team but you know year 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 five of adazio here it's it's a team you should beat no no excuses there yep and i think they're not going to be any better than we saw in 2015 when a well as we later saw a very suspect bc team was still able to beat them um you know i think you mentioned too one of the biggest issues BC is going to have with teams are teams with good quarterbacks. Teams with good quarterbacks have been able to neutralize BC's defense in the years past. So had Deshaun Watson do it. We saw um, Lamar Jackson do it. We've seen good quarterbacks. And as we mentioned, as you mentioned before, Northern Illinois, I believe, is starting a redshirt freshman against BC. I don't think they've named him uh, the starting quarterback, but everything I've read is that the kid's going to be a redshirt freshman. And especially with a porous offensive line in front of him with BC's defense leaning down on him, BC's defense should be making, should be making some big plays in this game. And I think that's going to be the big difference there. And if the, I know NIU, I've seen that they're going to be having their blackout game. It's going to be their blackout game for the fans. And they're going to have, they'll be up and crazy, but if BC can take those fans out right away, they should be able to get a lead and sit on it. And I think that'll be kind of the difference. I got BC winning by 10. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I see. I see BC winning by seven to ten points, and uh, just like you said, you know they're starting a new quarterback. That um, their receiver uh, Galladay is left to the NFL, so they really don't have a go-to guy that can kill BC um, through the air receiver. So, uh, you know, there, there's there's no way BC should be losing this game. Yeah, and, uh, they should win this. So we got both of us going with BC starting one and zero. That'll be a good feeling, and. Um... Hopefully uh, we'll go into Wake Forest and have a better feel for where the offense lies. 
Um, I think that's, I think a lot of fans are going to be really excited to see where this team looks and what they look like going into that first game. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be something, it's going to be a lot of talk and, you know, really going to set up the rest of the season. If they come out looking like crap, you know, <laughs> the, the fan, the things can get ugly, but I don't, I, Yikes. I don't all right, so um, we have two more things we're going to get to. We're going to keep these around a half hour to 45 minutes. Both Eric and I, this isn't our main job, but we like to talk to you guys, and I know a lot of fans out there were asking about this. So we're going to do our best to get this going every, um, every week uh, during the football season. Um, so there's one name that we haven't really talked a lot about, um, and it's the name that every BC fan will be talking about this year just like they did last year, and that's Harold Landry. Um, if, if you are not aware of him, maybe you just don't know the defense. Well, Harold Landry is our defensive end. He's a senior. He forgot, he, uh, decided to skip the NFL draft after his junior year, where he had 16 and a half sacks and led the nation in sacks, um, to come back for his senior season. Cause I think he said he had unfinished business at BC, which is great. Um, he's got, he's projected. He's a first team, all American preseason right now. Um, every magazine or website you have has him as their first team all all american um mock nfl drafts have him in the top 10 to 15 depending on where you read it um he's going to be a beast this year he's you know he's going to be a guy that everyone non-bc fans know about non-bc fans know who harold landry is but i i want to take a little bit out of what he does because i think he about him and talk about more what he does to the guys around him uh, Eric, what does he mean to the team? Like, what do you think Harold Landry means to the guys lining up next to him, whether it's a nose tackle like Noah Merritt or Zach Allen or Wyatt uh, Ray or any of the linebackers and defensive backs? What does is, what is Harold Landry mean to them, and how does he change the way they play? Oh, man, where to even start? But from a very high level, I mean, the the guys on the opposite end, whether it, whether it be Zach uh, Allen, whether it be Wyatt Ray, I mean, it's pretty much they know they know they're going to be going one on one against a tackle or a tight end because they know on the other end, you know, they're going to have to have maybe two guys account for Landry. So it really opens things up for the guys on the opposite side of, side of the defensive line and uh, you know the secondary and linebackers too in coverage. I mean, you're, you can get a little more aggressive when you got uh, the best that guy in the country rushing the quarterback and uh you don't have to cover for as long you can play a little bit tighter coverage so he just makes everyone better you know it, it, it you can't even you can't even really uh do justice describing how big it was that that he came back this year you know yeah yeah i think there's a you know if i was to list i, I could think of a, a bunch of different players that i think are really going to benefit from him as you said you know they're, they're going to have to change schemes to double up on on landry Zach Allen's going to be a name you're going to hear a lot of. Connor Shahan, I know he's a big playmaker, and um, you know they're going to have to to scheme to him too because he he as we saw last year is able to make those big plays as well. But my biggest, I think, as you were just saying, the biggest beneficiary of Harold Landry is going to be the secondary because I think Dazio keeps talking about the speed of the secondary with Isaac Yedem and Lucas Dennis and Cam Moore and Will Harris. He's got he's got some really quick defenders out there that, you know, when Landry is bearing down on you or any of these other guys are, are pinning their ears back, they're going to force quarterbacks to make errant throws. They're going to, you know, throw before their their feet are set or not read a coverage right. 
And I think that's going to really, you know, pump up this defensive secondary because they're talented. I think they're – I'm excited to see what they can do because I think they're really talented this year. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, so that was just a little talk on Harold Landry. We have a couple mailbag questions I wanted to go um, over. Um, some of them I don't know if we're going to be able to answer because, you know, Eric and I don't have information on certain things. I was going to say that right off the bat, but we'll ask them um, and, and, you know, see where we go from there. So Big Jack Crack, one of our readers, wanted to know about Elijah Johnson. Do you know if he's going to play at all this year? Does he have a red shirt? Um, his, his, how serious was the injury and how has he come along in rehab? Have you heard anything about him coming back? Because everything I've heard is that he's gone for the year. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, the, the news I heard was, uh, he was going to miss a lot of time, and uh, uh, I guess there's always a chance he can come back later in the year. But that shirt, that excuse me, at that point, why do you burn um, a year and not redshirt a guy? So unless the situation really called for it, I mean, I, I I'd, I'd be surprised if he came back this year. But I guess you never know. Yeah, especially with Marcel Lazar, the uh, transfer from West Virginia coming in. Have you seen or heard anything about him? Um. Yeah, you know, it, all indications uh, are that he has played well. And uh, But, I mean, uh, when you talk about the O-line, the guy that's getting uh, the most fanfare right now is really Aaron Montero. He's, you know, moved his way up the depth chart and really rave reviews from coaches and people that, that have got to see him this summer that he's really looking like the real deal. So uh, that I think, I think that's been a pleasant surprise that uh, – kind of the falling out of that Elijah Johnson injury is that Montero has really stepped up and uh, uh, taken advantage of his opportunity. Um, Big Jack Crack also wanted to know, will we be employing a blocking fullback this year? I can answer that. Based off of Dan's uh, last article, it sounds like Colton Cardinal might be the blocking fullback this year. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what it looks like. And, uh, you know, Dan's pretty locked in with, with the team and uh, – watching a lot of practices, so I, I definitely go go by that, yes. Quick other question was, what is Richard Wilson's role this season, running back? He's a strong runner in his own right and can catch a defense napping by grabbing passes out of the fullback slot. Um, yeah, um, I, I'd say that that's definitely definitely the role for him. Um, I, I haven't seen um, I haven't seen a lot of his pass-catching ability, but it would it would be great if he kind of gave him that um, uh, Wolford uh, kind of surprise throw to the fullback <laughs> every once in a while dynamic to the team. So that would be great if he could do that. And I I think he could be used too if you know uh, they're having a they're having a sleepy game against kind of an inferior opponent and kind of let him be throw him back there and be a little bit of a battering ram and wake up the other running backs. I think that could be a role for him as well. Do you think AJ Dillon's going to have a big role on the team this year? Um, you know he's going to get he's going to get his uh, his playing time for sure. I, I wouldn't you know think of him as any kind of featured back over John Hilleman or um, you know he'll be battling with uh, Jones as well. But um, you know he'll get he'll get his touches for sure. I mean he didn't he didn't come to BC to sit on the bench they and the coaches know you know that's that's kind of the deal nowadays too you know you bring in a big recruit like that um at a smaller school like bc i mean you bet you better make sure you're feeding them and keeping the guy happy i mean that's just 
part of the deal nowadays, you know, and whether it's football or basketball, giving these guys playing time, um, you know, you got to, you got to make sure you do and keep the guys happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's, it's, it's exciting. And they have a, a very solid uh, stable of backs this year between Travis Levy and John Hilleman. Hilleman was my pick for uh, MVP this year. I just feel like he's got his legs behind underneath him now. And, with the improvement on the, hopefully with improvement on the offensive line and game calling, um, he'll be able to make more of those explosive plays that we've seen him make. So I'm excited. To see yeah. You've really gone all in on him. I've seen in your, in your articles and on Twitter yep. and stuff. So um, you're going to ride and die with Hillman this year. I am, especially because he struggled so much last year and it was tough watching it after a while. He would just run right into, you know, walls and he couldn't break tackles, but I don't know. It's called a gut feeling. I feel like he's going to, he's going to, have a better season this year. Um, so we have one more hard. question. One more question, and we're going to wrap it up. Daniel Kelleher on Facebook wanted to know: Will we actually be able to throw the ball a bit? And what do you think of our receiving core? So I, we talked a little bit about the offense, but I don't think we actually talked about whether we would be able to throw it. Do you think the offense is actually going to be able to successfully implement the throw game, as Adazio always calls it? <laughs> throw game. Um, I, I guess, I guess it would be relative to, you know, actually throw it. Like what that means, does that mean they're in the middle of the pack of the ACC and throwing, um, uh, they, I, I guess that's, that's a, that's a loaded question. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's going to be such improvement that we're going to see BC ranked, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, even ninth in the ACC in passing. Uh, you know, it, it would be nice to be out of the bottom two or three. Um, I, I do, I do have my questions um, about the wide receivers and, and uh, you know, I, I'm kind of waiting for someone to make the jump. I mean, it seems like for a couple of years now, we keep hearing how good the young guys are and how talented and uh, you know, now for some of these guys, you know, it's time to show it on the field. And uh, I, I get, I guess, I guess I'm not as optimistic as some about BC's wide receivers and them making that jump. I, I kind of want them to show me. I mean, I'm I'm all in on Tommy Sweeney and him being um, a force in the passing game, but um, other other than him, I, I I'm not I'm not as bullish as other people about about this receiving core. Um, I mean, if I turn if I turn it around to you, I mean, who who are you counting on in this? Uh, receiving core to kind of step up and uh, be a go-to guy this year. So there's a couple, I have a couple of thoughts and, and I agree with what you're saying. You know, I, I think there's talent there, but I need to see it. Um, you know, the two main wide receivers from last year, Jeff Smith and Michael Walker, I, I got to see them with less drops. The drops last year were brutal. Um, yeah. And I want to see them be able to get open against, you know, stronger secondary. I know they struggled there. But you also mentioned, and I agree with you too, there's been these names that every summer you hear about, whether it's Ben Glines or Nolan Bergeson, um, Kobe White this year. You keep hearing about how great they're going to be, and then they get to the season, and like last year, Glines and Ber- Bergeson, you didn't hear anything about. And I, know, I don't know if there was injuries. I think there might have been injuries for both um, during the season. But this year, you want to see them – you want to see Adazio actually – you know, back the talk with these guys and actually have them on the field and make big plays. Um, I want, you know, if it's just going to be Smith, Walker, and Callanan again, 
Um, with just at the wideout position, is it going to be a huge improvement in terms of talent from last year? It could be. I mean, if, if Smith and Walker can stop stop with the drops, uh, Callanan wasn't great with that either. But you want to see some of these other guys cycle in. And, you know, like I, I keep talking about and I keep reading about Kobe White making big plays. I want to see what he's able to do or what um, Christian Mastravic could do or any of these guys. I want to see what they're able to do. And you're right. You know, you read about the press releases, but show me. Show me that they're able to do what you say they're able to do against ACC opponents or NIU. Um, and I think that's kind of where we're at right now. So one last question for you, Eric, before we leave, this is totally not football related. We we're texting about it earlier on Monday. I tried uh, Chick-fil-A for the first time and I trashed it on Twitter. I did not like it. Tell them what I'm missing. I had chicken, bur- uh, like a chicken sandwich, like a fried chicken sandwich with cheese and lettuce and tomato. I don't get pickles because I hate pickles. And I was like, this isn't, Anything different than I've had at McDonald's? What am I missing? Oh man, well maybe that's part of your problem that you don't like the pickles because that's kind of kind of part of the whole Chick Fil A sandwich. And I, I just go with the you know the regular, which is just the pickles on it, and that's about it. I don't get the cheese or lettuce or tomato or anything like that. But I guess part of it too is uh, um, for whatever reason when I go there, I I do usually dine in, and uh, I guess part of the experience is just that. It's actually clean there and doesn't look like the bottom of a toilet bowl like a Burger King or a McDonald's would look. You know, they do take pride in keeping the place clean, and uh, I guess they're pretty friendly, and I guess that's part of the uh, part of the draw too. But oh man, that's uh, I don't know. I think that's your problem, though. If you're not if you're not digging the pickles, I think I think that kind of takes away from the sandwich. I I think we might we might have solved the mystery here. That, that could be it. And my wife makes fun of me all the time when I go to restaurants. I literally, I, I, I have such a, a thing against pickles. It's not like I don't like them. I can't stand them. And I can't get like oh pickle juice on fries. Like if you get a burger at like any restaurant and the pickle juice soaks in the fries, it drives me nuts. And every, like my family will make fun of me constantly for that. Cause I will make sure that when I order it, I'm like no pickles anywhere on my plate. Cause I can't deal with the juice. Oh man! All right. Well, I think we solved the mystery at, at the very least. Kind of, kind of disappointed you didn't like the, uh, the weren't feeling the chicken sandwich, but uh, that that might be it. Maybe it's the whole the whole pickle experience with the chicken that kind of makes the deal on that. Yeah, I got to figure something out for Friday's game because it's it's an away game, and that means either I'm going to go to a bar and try to watch this game, or I'm going to order in food and have a few drinks, watching it with my wife or my in laws or my family. Um, so I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm really looking forward for college football to return. And um, unfortunately, the big question is: Will BC, will the BC uh, football or BC athletic account be periscoping uh, Adazio's radio show this year? Because that was that was much must must <laughs> watch TV last fall. I tweeted out on Tuesday when they when Meter tweeted out that that was returning, just a gif of French fries going in a constant circle. <laughs> And I got a bunch of people that weren't BC fans going, ooh, I like that. And BC fans were all reacting going, that's hilarious. Because I think they all knew watching it what that meant. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, it's just, it, it was incredible. They got to keep that, keep that up next year. I'm still I'll, laughing about that. I will that. be looking forward to that, and I will be lurking <laughs> in the background watching that on Mondays. But uh, we'll wrap it up here. And um, 
if you guys like this, make sure you like, subscribe, and rate us on uh, iTunes. Uh, re- recommend us to your BC friends. If you have friends that like BC football and want a you know, 45-minute um, diversion while they drive to work or work out or whatever, recommend BCI Radio to them because we're trying to get out to more and more fans. Um, we have a good uh, radio base now, but we'd love to you know, extend that to more people. So make yeah, sure you subscribe that. to uh, us on iTunes. Yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes. Thank you, Eric. And um, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you again. Make sure you leave any thoughts. We'll ask for more of our mailbag next week when we talk Wake Forest and the NIE fallout of what happened on Friday. So take care. God bless and go Eagles. Take care.